Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. God is so good. Amen. All right. If you're not already standing and you're able to do so, if you didn't, wouldn't mind standing for the reading of the Word of the Lord this morning, I am going to turn to Numbers chapter number 22. I'm going to read a number of verses of Scripture here, so just bear with me. Um, in Numbers chapter 22, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan across from Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. This is is just after the Israelites had left Egypt. I shouldn't say just after, but it was in that 40-year period. And a lot of people don't realize that the Israelites, during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, fought many battles and won many victories and actually took over cities and inhabited lands before they actually went into the Promised Land. But verse 3 tells us that Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. He was afraid they were going to now conquer him. Verse 4 says, So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up, lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor at Pithor, which is near the river in the land of uh, the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, "Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth, and they are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me." For they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Everyone follow along what's going on here? This man Balaam was a prophet. And when he cursed somebody, they were cursed. And if he blessed someone, they were blessed. And so Balak called out for Balaam to come and to curse the Israelites. Um, It's hard to curse God's people when God's put His blessing on them. You want God's blessing. Amen? If you live a life that brings God's blessing, everything else is going to work out and be okay. Amen? doesn't matter what they say or what they do. So where was I now? Uh, Verse what? Verse 7. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. Uh, Balaam obviously had a price for his curses. <laughs> I know a lot of people that will curse us for free. <laughs> I know some people who have never charged a dime. They just cursed us. Uh, didn't mean anything, but at any rate... They had a fee. Balaam had a fee. Uh, Let's see. Um, He had the diviner's fee in in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. 
Verse 8, he said to them, lodge here tonight. This is Balaam saying this to these men. Lodge here tonight, and I'll bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. And then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? So Balaam said to God, well, it's Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I should be able to overpower them and drive them out. Now listen carefully to verse 12. Listen very carefully. All right? Verse 12 says, and God said, you know what happens when God says something? How many of you have been through my home Bible study? You know the very first lesson that we go through, we establish what happens when God speaks. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let the earth bring forth. And the earth brought forth. When God speaks, things happen. Amen? And what God speaks will come to pass. God is never wrong. And God is going to speak here to Balaam, and we would all do well that when God speaks, we would listen. Someone said amen. When God speaks, we should listen. God said, verse 12, to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Does it get any plainer than that? You shall not go with them. Simple, right? And not only should you not go with them, but don't you dare curse the people. I don't care where you are when you do that. Even if you don't go with them, don't even curse them from here, for they are blessed. I have blessed them. Verse 13 says, So Balaam, like you think he should do, rose up in the morning and said to the prince of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose and went with Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. From this, I want to preach. This is going to turn out to be a series of messages. I have no idea how many at this point, because as I try to put things down, I'm, the Lord is bombarding me with more and more thoughts about the. And for, for, that's why this is called the complexities of Balaam, because the more I try to put this into a sermon, into a message, the more I realize this is just too complex. So, however many parts it takes, I don't know, but we're on part one today the complexities of Balaam. So let's pray together. Jesus, we do love you, and we thank you for your blessings and your goodness. I'm asking for the anointing of the Lord to be upon these lips of clay and this tongue of flesh, because more than anything, we desire to hear from you. We pray that you will touch every life and every heart that's listening to this sermon today. Help us to gain understanding and revelation. We ask this all in Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. How about we give Jesus one more hand clap of praise together? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just say today that uh, to start with, these verses of Scripture that I just read, Numbers 22, 1 through 14, should realistically be the only verses in the Bible that mention Balaam. 
That should be the end of the story. It should be that they came to Balaam. They asked Balaam to curse the Israelites. God told Balaam, don't go with them and don't curse them. Balaam says to these men, go back and tell your king, God has not given me liberty to come with you, nor has he set me free to curse them. I cannot do it. See you later. Case done, over, closed, finished. No more about Baal. Should be over, but you and I both know that's not the case. Otherwise, I wouldn't be preaching this message. Can you say amen? Balak, who was uh, the king of the Moabites, he was fearful of these Israelites, and and rightly so. Uh, What we sometimes don't realize is these Israelites, while they were wandering around for 40 years in the wilderness, had an armed army of over 600,000 people. That's how many… That was their army. That wasn't the people. Their army, their armed soldiers was over 600,000 people. And uh, God gave them all of the equipment they needed by, first of all, handing over to them the, the, uh, uh, the um, Egyptians, and then nations that they fought and defeated since then. Uh, and now they are wandering through the wilderness with an army of 600,000, and these Moabites are certainly afraid of them because they know what they have already done to other nations. The Amorites, the Bible mentioned here, I believe it was the Amorites, they had already defeated them, and they were very concerned. And Balak knows that there is a great prophet among them. His name is Balaam. Don't get the two confused. Balak is the king. Balaam is the prophet. And he calls on Balaam to curse these people so that he can indeed go to war against them and defeat them. And Balaam, as we read today, said, no, I can't curse them because I cannot curse what God will not curse. Oh, that's… See, I could just preach on that. You, you, you can't accept, expect God to bless what He has already cursed. You can't expect God to bless what He has already called sin. You can't expect God to bless your life, your lifestyle, or your doings because you want them blessed if the Bible forbids them or speaks against that kind of activity. Can you say amen? We need to submit to the will of the Lord. And so, This should be no sermon at all here, but we know that it is. Balaam's story is actually quite complex, and that's why I called it the complexity of Balaam. It's because there's a lot of layers here, and we're going to unfold those layers as we go over this for the next few weeks. There's a lot of layers to this story of Balaam, and we haven't even read the whole story of Balaam. We just read the first part of it. But we're going to discuss these layers of Balaam's story over, the, over several sermons. I don't know how many, but we're going to discuss it, and we'll see how far we get each week and determine exactly how many parts this message is going to be. Anybody want to take a guess? Three parts? Four? Twelve? <laughs> there are a lot of verses of Scripture throughout the entire Bible that talks about Balaam, many of them. Moses himself, as they were getting ready to go in and conquer the promised land, referred back to Balaam to encourage the people who were about to enter the promised land not to be afraid of their enemies. Joshua referred to Balaam to remind the people of all that God had done for them and how that even Balaam, who was a great prophet, could not stop them. 
Nehemiah referred back to Balaam to remind the people of what God had done for the Israelites. Micah referred back to Balaam to encourage the people. But it doesn't end in the Old Testament because the apostle Peter, he also in his second epistle referred to what he called the way of Balaam. And we're going to talk about eventually what the way of Balaam was. He called it the way of Balaam, and he said that Balaam loved the wages of wickedness. And there are people living in our day who love the wages of wickedness because they do not understand the eternal price they have to pay. Some things look good if all you're going to live is this life. I think I'll get into that a little bit more next week. But some things look real good if this life ends here. But my friend, this life does not end here. There is an eternal life waiting to receive us. And Balaam here, according to the Apostle Peter, loved the wages of wickedness rather than the cost of righteousness. Jude also referred to Balaam. He referred to what he called the error of Balaam. Balaam made a mistake. We don't want to make the mistake that Balaam made. He referred to it as an error of Balaam because he was in it for the prophet. And I don't mean the prophet prophesy. I mean the prophets of money. (laughs) He was in it to make money. And I fear that the church has taken on a bad connotation in the eyes of a lot of people because of the, of, of the money-making schemes that preachers preach from the prosperity message across our pulpits. And, I'll, and again, I think next week I'll talk a little bit more about that to explain where that comes from and, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, why it's wrong and what the truth is, because God does want your money, and all of your money is the Lord's. But we'll talk about that more next week. But Balaam, according to, to Jude, he was in it for the money. And uh, if you're new to Maranatha, let me assure you, I am not in it for the money. Amen? And we can't be in it for the money. We must be in it for the kingdom's sake, and we'll talk more about that as we go on. I'm just trying to lay some groundwork this this morning. John in the book of Revelation also refers to Balaam. And he said in in, uh, his book of Revelation, he referred to Balaam as Uh, the teaching of Balaam or the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam had an actual doctrine that he lived by. And how many of you know that your doctrine establishes your steps? Your doctrine establishes how you walk through this life. Your doctrine establishes basically every decision you make. Uh, how you're going to go, which direction you're going to go, what, you're going, how, what choices you make are all established by your doctrine. I want the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ to be my foundation. <clears throat> so my question to you today is, for Balaam to say, go back and tell the king, no, God has told me I cannot curse the people, I cannot go with you, Uh, What exactly did Balaam actually do that turns out to be so bad that these men, Micah, Nehemiah, Joshua, Peter, Jude, John, refer to him in such a negative way? I mean, there was a lot of evil people in the Old Testament, but this Balaam somehow gets referred to over and over again throughout the rest of the history of the writings of the Scripture. We need to know what it is about Balaam that was so bad 
because the text that I read this morning, if you stop there, he seems like a pretty decent guy. Can you say amen? He seems like a decent guy. I want to turn to Numbers chapter 22 and verse 19. Uh, wait, before I turn there, let me just read a, let me read a couple of verses of Scripture. This is what the problem is. <clears throat> we left off with verse 14, where in 13, verse 13, Balaam said, go tell, the, go tell the king I can't come. The Lord's not giving me freedom to go. He's told me I can't curse the people. So let's pick up with verse 14 again in Numbers chapter 22. Listen to what it said. The princes of Moab rose and went back to Balak. And they said, Balaam refuses to come with us. <clears throat> Let me read, and then I want to talk about it for a moment. i got to stay focused here. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than the first group. <laughs> I'm going to up the ante. I mean, if you know, the devil, devil is always trying to up the ante. All right, I sent my servants. He said no to them. Let me get a couple of officials. Let me get the mayor. Uh, let me get some legislator or whoever, the, the governor. Let me send some more important people. It's harder to say no to more important people. So let me send some more important people. <clears throat> more honorable than them. And they came to Balaam and they said, thus says Balak, son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. (laughs) I'm begging you. How many of you have a kid? Children. How many of you have children who do not know how to take no for an answer? Yeah, look at the hands going on because that's in our human nature. All right, mom, can I have a can I have a donut? No, we're getting ready to eat dinner in a little bit. Uh, please, mom. I said no. Mom, just one donut. No, we're gonna have dinner in a minute. I'll still eat dinner. I promise. Can I just have, finally you just whatever? No, you don't do that. Good, good, good girl. St- st- stick to your ground. Don't let your kids get used to getting what they want in life because not everybody's going to do that for him. But uh, this is the way the king was. He said, what? He said, no. Next next higher up level. Let's go. Go ask him to come. Please tell him to come. I need him to come. I need to take care of this. Uh, And I'm going to send people more honorable being. This is what they said. Thus says Balak, son of Zippor, Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. I will certainly honor you greatly. I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse this people. Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak. Now listen carefully to Balaam because it's sounding good. Sounds like this guy's got it together. Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Here's what he's saying. doesn't matter what he gives me. I can't do what God says not to, but I want to point something out. <clears throat> Why did he pick a house full of silver and gold? 
as to if you gave me that, I couldn't come. I'm going to tell you why. Because that's what he really wanted. Huh? Listen, if your kid comes to you and you want them to, you want them to vacuum the floor and they say, I'll, vac- I'll vacuum the floor if you give me a candy bar. And you say, okay, here's your candy bar. Why did they say they wanted a candy bar? Because that's what they wanted. If you said, look, if you vacuum the floor, I'll give you this apple. Nah. Nah. I'll give you an apple and a carrot. Nah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Balaam exposed his desires because he thought to himself, what could entice me? A couple extra horses? Nah, that wouldn't entice me. Um, a new chariot? Nah, I don't need a new chariot. A house full of silver and gold? Mm. Even if you gave me that, I'd have to say no. You see, what, see what's happening here? He's revealing his inner heart. All right? We need to know what's in our heart. Can I just preach to you for a moment? We need to take a look at the things that entice us to stay out of church, that distract us from our prayer time, that keep us from putting our tithe in the offering plate, that keep us from loving one another. We need to take a look at what is it that we're trading that for. What is so important that I couldn't make it to church today? What is so important that I'm not going to put my tithe back into the kingdom? What is so important that I'm not going to lift my hands and praise the Lord? What what am I cherishing so much that I am willing to trade the things of God for? It's quiet in here. Balaam said, here's the deal. Let's see, what, could, what, would, what would be the hardest thing to resist? A house full of silver and gold. Even if he gave me that house full of silver and gold, I can't come. Look at this next verse. Put it up on the screen, Edwin. Numbers 22, verse 19. <clears throat> now, therefore, please, verse 18 said, I ain't coming for a house full of silver and gold. And Balak said, there's one waiting for you. <laughs> A lot of silver and gold, I'll up the ante. I got more important people to ask you, and I got more money to offer. Now, God had already said, no, don't go with them, don't curse them, and look at what Balaam says. Now, therefore, since you're back with more important people and more money, please stay here tonight that I may know more, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. <laughs> What more is there than don't go with them, do not curse them? Huh? What? All right, don't go with them until next week. He didn't say, just don't go with them. Maybe he meant don't curse them. I can't even think of something that he might have meant. But let me check with them. (laughs) Come on, church. How many times do we really want to check? Is this really that important? Does it really matter if I pray every day? Is it really that important that I'm faithful to the house of God? 
Is it really that important that I tithe? Is it really that important that I raise my... Nobody even knows if I'm worshiping or not anyway. Everybody's got their hands raised. Nobody knows if I don't. Jesus does. I don't do it for others. I do it for Jesus. He knows everything about me. Let me go check that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Now, how many of you know that God does not change His mind? And yet it is going to appear, we're not going to get to this today, we're going to cover this later, but it does appear that God changes His mind because we're going to see that God actually does say, okay, go. Did you ever have one of your kids? Mom, can I have this? No. 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 Can I have this? Take it! Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Take it. I don't care. Just stop asking me. I'll tell you something about our God. He'll say no, but if you keep asking, He's got what He calls a permissive will. All right, you really want to do that? Go ahead. But there are going to be consequences. And don't come crying to me when the consequences strike. Mom, can I have another piece of candy? No. Can another piece of candy? No. Another piece of candy? No. You're going to get sick. Another piece of candy? No. You're going to have a bellyache. No. Can I have another piece of candy? No. Can I have another? Take it. When you have a bellyache, don't come crying to me. Oh, mom, my son, I don't want to hear it. Go lay down, put a heating pack on it. Don't complain to me. I told you not to eat any more candy. I got a feeling some people's lives are messed up and they go to God with it and God's saying, I told you not to live like that. What do you think? I don't know what I'm talking about. I created the universe. I breathed the breath of life into you. I put your spirit in you. I know you inside and outside. I know everything about you. I know what's good. I know what's evil. You ought to listen to me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, what is going on with Balaam? Balaam took a strong stand (laughs) until Balak upped the ante. And I've seen a lot of people live for God until the going got rough and the ante got turned up. Next thing you know, they start missing church, and then I start worrying about them, and then I call them, and then they say everything's okay, and it's not. The Bible has an awful lot to say about indecision. It's a lot to say about indecision. Let me get through this quickly. Time is running short already. In Joel chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says that there are multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Can you see that Balaam did not have a made-up mind? Sorry, God said, no, I can't go with you, and I can't curse the people. But when the ante was upped, he said, let me think about it. He's starting to waver between two decisions. He's starting to waver between two mindsets, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, Joel says, for the day of the Lord is near. 
in the valley of decision. I believe there are a great many people within the sound of my voice that are undecided as to exactly where they stand. People are testing the waters. They're in it for a little while, and then they're out of it. They're into this for a little while, and then they're out of it. We need to be, we need to have a made-up mind so that nothing can keep us out of it. In Psalms chapter 1, the very first Psalm said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the paths of sinners, and nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. But what does he do? He delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. How do you want me to think? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to act? What, let me live according to you. Let me please you. He meditates in it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because he's doing the will of God. When you do the will of God, you will prosper. <clears throat> And when, you, and when you are not prospering, and you think, at least you think you're not prospering, don't think for one moment, I was doing the will of the Lord, how come things are going, aren't going good? Because Jesus told us about the time you start bearing fruit, He'll come along and say, wow, that's pretty good. Let me snip back a little bit here and prune you so that you can bear more fruit. And we think the pruning is things going wrong. Sometimes God's just pruning us so we can be better. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That verse 3 that says, a tree planted by the rivers of water. Every time I read that, I think of a day I was driving across the Western Gateway Bridge here in Schenectady going over into Scotia, and I look down, and there's a, right down by the river, there's this uh, kind of like an island down there, and these big, and these trees, they just grow so big down there. Take a look at them when you're driving across the Scotia Bridge there, how big the trees are. They just, and you know why? Because they're right planted by a river of water. It can, it, we can go four weeks during the summer with no rain, and these other trees, the leaves are drying up. Those trees are just flourishing because there's a constant flow of water. That's what the Bible said you will be like if you are planted in Jesus Christ. Jesus said in chapter 5 of Matthew, he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these comes from the evil one. Make up your mind. In Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible said the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And these very famous words quoted from Joshua when they were getting ready to conquer the promised land. He said, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. You got to serve the Lord, not the gods of this world. Serve the Lord. He said, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose who you're going to serve. Don't try to live with one foot in and one foot out. Choose who you will serve. 
Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I hope you feel that way. I hope ever, I, I, I would to God that every man in, within the sound of my voice that's listening to this message would stand up and say, I'm going to step forward and be the head of my house. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I read, a, I read a statistic the other day, and I'm not going to have the, the accurate figures, so I didn't write it down. I wished I did. But it showed the, 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 the um, people in church, the families that come to church because their children bring them. All right? Kids go to Sunday school or whatever. They come to church because the kids want to go to Sunday school. The, the, those families that stay in church were like, I, I'm, this is, I, I'll, just, I'll just round it off. I don't really know. It was like, say, 30%. I think it was even less than that, but say 30%. Oh, 2%. Oh, you saw this? St- the, all right, two, then help me out. 2% of families stay in church who came because their kids want to go to Sunday school. The families that come to church because the wives want to come to church were what? 33% families stay in church because the wives want to go to church and they bring them. What do you think the percentage of the families that stay in church who come because the man, the husband says, we're going to go to church? What is that figure? of families stay in church when the husband makes up his mind, we're going to the house of the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, praise God. And that's what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he, it is he who brought us, uh, us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among the people through, through, uh, through whose land we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwell on the land. We will also serve the Lord. He's our God. And all the men said, Amen. Come on, all the men said, amen. amen. We will serve. He's our God. First Kings chapter 18. You see, this is, a, this is a theme throughout the Bible. Here we are in First Kings now. Elijah came to all the people. He said, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. Don't try to follow both. Don't try to live for God and this world. Don't try to be in the world and in the church. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Some people try to live for God, but they don't have a made-up mind. And it's hard to live for God without a made-up mind. I heard someone say once, if you want to live for God, living for God hard is easy. Living for God easy is hard. You understand that? If you really put everything in it, it's easy to live for God. If you live for God easy, it's very hard to do it that way. Jesus talked about this kind of person in the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13, he said that some seed in the parable of the sower, some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked the seed. And when they asked him about it, he said, well, it's he who receives seed among the thorns. is he who hears the Word, and he loves the Word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes 
unfruitful. We need to not let the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the seed of truth that God has planted in us. Now next week we're going to talk a little bit more about the deceitfulness of riches because um, I want us to understand something about, about money, realis- really, because I'm not against money. I'm not against you having money. You just got to make sure money doesn't have you. Amen? And we're going to talk about this a little bit next week because this was, this was another layer of the complexities of Balaam is that he couldn't differentiate between what God had for him here in this life and what he had for him there in that life. And we get that confused too, don't we? So we're going to talk about that next week. But um, for now, let me just close today's message by saying it's obvious from our text this morning that Balaam did not have his mind made up. Didn't have his mind made up. He got a clear answer from God, but a better offer made him go back to make sure he really heard God correctly. How many of you have said it yourself or had others ask you the question, is it really necessary that we do this? Does it really matter if I do that? Those thoughts ever go through your mind? Does this really matter? Does it really matter how I'm baptized? Does it really matter if I lift my hands in the sanctuary or not? Does it really matter if I sing the songs of Zion when we sing? Does it really matter? Yes, it really matters. It does. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. Please follow our podcast for more great messages from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, part of the Capital District. And if you are ever in the area, we invite you to stop in and visit during our weekly Sunday service starting at 1030 a.m. We look forward to you joining us next week for another powerful message on Maranatha's podcast. Thank you and God bless.